of Graham for a long time. Probably like a lot of you, he began to influence me, I don't know, a dec- more than a decade ago. And um, in particular, there was just a season of my life that was really hard, and I kept listening to a certain CD of his that just kept soaking in the goodness of God until I believed it, basically. Um, and that kept me in the game. I've told Graham that many times. He, he is... Um, made a choice to come and to pour into our church and into our ministry. He met with our leadership, our elder team last night, and I just don't take those kind of gifts lightly from the Lord. Um, Graham could be a million different places, and this weekend he's chosen to be here. Um, So I really, what I want to ask you, awesome. What I want to ask you, just by your own choice, by your own will, is to open up your heart to him right now. Just to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open to what Graham's bringing tonight, and I receive it. And I'm going to take it and chew on it and, uh, and say yes to all that you have for me today. So would you uh, please welcome and honor Graham Cook with me. Okay, sir. Thank you. All righty. feel all those blessings on my head. For a minute, I really thought my sunroof was going to get healed. You know? I started going bald in like, I think when I was 23, because someone prayed for me for boldness, but he had a lisp. So... So next time you're being prayed for, just check out if they've got any speech impediments or not, because it, you know, it just, it might be crucial. <laughs> so let's pray. Father, thank you. You, you amaze us. You astonish us, Lord. Of all the places. You could have lived. You chose to live in us. <laughs> that still does my head in. Thank you for choosing us, Papa. Thank you for seeing something in us that maybe nobody else ever saw. And thank you that we are learning to see ourselves the way that you see us. We're learning to perceive ourselves differently. We're learning to think about ourselves differently. And we're developing a whole new language about ourselves that's not based in rejection or apology, but just a quiet, joyful confidence. I am my beloved's and he's mine. And we're learning, Lord, just to walk through this life with real joy, with a real beautiful expectation of your goodness happening each day, of learning what it is to walk in the favor of God. And the biggest issue in our life really is what do we do with all the favor that God wants to bestow? Thank you for the fact that Your love is majestic. It's magnificent. It's incredible. It's amazing. 
and we can only be astonished. So Lord, I, my prayer for all of us is that you would grant us the grace to live a life that's full of astonishment. For Jesus' sake. Amen. What you think about God is the most important thing in the world. What you think about God, in the end, will say everything about you. How you see God for you, what God is for you, how you're walking with him, um, your capacity to rest in him, be the beloved, to be as joyful as he is. He's the happiest person I've ever met. He has the most, he has the sunniest disposition of anybody you'll ever meet. Anybody who says that God is angry is lying. Here's a question for you. Was Jesus judged enough for sin? Not a trick question. Was Jesus judged enough for sin? Okay, like 14 and a half people think, well, it's possible. (laughs) Here's the thing. If Jesus was not judged enough for sin, there's not a single person in this room that's saved. Because if God held some judgment back, then we're not fully redeemed. That's just the way it works. We're serving a God who does everything from a perspective of fullness. That means, that means judgment has to be full on Jesus for sin. So, do you think Jesus was punished enough for sin? Because if he isn't, then the possibility for us to be punished for the things we do wrong is pretty severe. But if he was fully punished, then we can't be punished even if we're stupid. Even if we do things wrong, that's deliberate. Why? Because for God to punish us, he would have to tread underfoot the cross of Jesus. Right? Come on. This is where we as evangelicals need to get our story straight. Okay, last question. Then I'm going to let you off the hook. For about 30 seconds. Did the Father pour out every last ounce of wrath, anger, and indignation upon Jesus for sin? So he's not angry then. That's what it means. If God did not pour out 100% of his anger upon Jesus for sin. It's not possible for us to walk with him in any degree of confidence. That's what it means, right? So we're talking about this life, this world. So what that means is there is no judgment in this life. 
because God judged Jesus for sin. The Bible says that when this world is finished and God's wrapped it up and we're all before the judgment seat of God in heaven, then there'll be a day of judgment. So between Calvary and the day of judgment, which will take place once the world is finished, yeah? So your judgment is out of this world, literally. <laughs> right? Between Calvary and the day of judgment, there is no place for judgment in this life. So God killed Jesus on our behalf. Isn't that amazing? You know what the really amazing thing is? When Jesus died, you died. That God put you into Christ on the cross, so you're dead. Right? Don't make me read the Bible to you. Ah, go on then. Just this once. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Did you know that? Okay. Three of you know it. You just stand up and I'll preach to you guys. Therefore, because of that fact, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That means if Jesus is walking in the glory of the Father, guess who else has to walk in the glory of the Father in this life? That would be us. Yeah? For if and we have, that's the tense, if and we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. You were too bad to be cleansed. You had to be crucified. I'm serious as a heart attack. Here's the thing about you. God is absolutely not interested in dealing with your sin. He's already dealt with it. Not what the Bible just said? Yeah. If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Now, if you do away with something, you know, like <clears throat> when the trash can is full in the kitchen... You take that bag out, you zip it up, whatever, tie it up. You take it out into the trash can outside. 
And then one day a week, you take that trash can to the side of the road and someone takes that whole thing away. It's done away with. That's what done away with means. So if God has done away with your old man, why would he want to work on it? Come on. So we're thinking now, right? We're thinking. If God has done away with your old man, why on earth would he want to work on it? So, clearly he isn't. This is the truth that sets us free, right? The truth is, you are so dead. Nudge your neighbor and say, you look dead to me. You're so dead. Okay, some of you are enjoying that just a shade too much. (laughs) You're dead and you stink. No. (laughs) Okay, so... That the body of our sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Right? So if you're dead in Christ, and you're free from sin, why would God want to work on it? For God to be working on your sin, he would have to say, well, honestly, really, I don't think that whole crucifixion thing really worked the way that I planned. So I'm just hedging my bets and I'll work on their sin anyway, just in case what Jesus did didn't work. Have you ever heard anything so stupid in all your life? What does that say about God? It says that he's the one that's double-minded. The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? It means before Genesis 1.1. Before the foundation of the world was laid, before God said, let there be light. There was a conversation in heaven and Jesus agreed to come and die for the sins of humanity that hadn't even been created yet. Whoa. Now that is incredible intentionality. So here's the whole thing. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all, the thing about them is their, their community together, their relationship together, who they are is so powerful, so incredible, they wanted to create a whole species that they could pour themselves into. But they didn't want this people group to be clones of them. They wanted them to be real. They wanted them to be absolutely free. So in order for them to be absolutely free, God had to give them free will, which meant they were free not to choose him. So here's the thing. Before we were even, before the foundation of the world was laid, God said we want a people group. We want them to have absolute freedom, which means they have the right to choose us or not to choose us. So what they decided was, okay, there's bound to be some people who may not choose us. 
So they had a conversation in heaven and Jesus agreed to come and be the sacrificial lamb so that God could make provision for all those people who didn't want to choose him in the first place. Now that is love. Face it, if you or I were God and we knew it was going to go that pear-shaped, we would have said, forget it, let's just make another Jupiter. Let's make an airless planet where no human can live. You know what that says about you? It says that you have this incredible value in the eyes of God. That before he said, let there be light, Jesus agreed to come and die for people who weren't born and who may not choose him. God made provision for the ungodly before they were even created. That is amazing. That is absolutely astonishing. And so they planned this day when heaven would invade earth and Jesus would lay aside his sonship in heaven and be born as an ordinary man and would live a sinless life and would offer himself up as a sacrifice for sin. And in that moment when he hung on the cross, heaven decreed that all of humanity from that point on would all be included in that death. Everyone would be included, no matter who you were, what nationality, what race, what gender, whatever. You would be included in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then God would send the incomparable Holy Spirit to brood over the earth and to breathe life and to create this love and passion for Jesus and opportunities for people to hear the good news and understand, you mean that I'm already included in this thing? Because Jesus is only dying once, right? He doesn't die every time someone gets saved. He died to sin once and for all. So we get to be included. And you mean what this really means is that I'm really dead. So I don't have these struggles really. I just need to learn about this so great salvation. You mean that I can be preoccupied with Jesus? You mean that I have this whole new start that means that all the stuff that I've learned in the world that you actually delivered me from, when you put me on the cross, you took it away from me, and now you've given me this new life, so I have this new nature. So, I'm really free. I don't have to work on this stuff. Ah, but I'm getting ahead of myself, eh? That's the outcome. You've got to love the process when you know the outcome, right? I am convinced, you know, that David absolutely loved the fight that he had with Goliath. That's why he ran towards him. He was so excited to be in this fight. Because here's, here's the thing that Dave knew that Goliath didn't. Dave had a prophecy from Sam a few weeks back. That he's going to be king in Israel. And he's not king today. Which means he can't die. So it really sucked to be Goliath at that point in time, right? 
Because here's the thing, Dave has an outcome way beyond Goliath. When you've got the word of the Lord in your life, you've got an outcome beyond your circumstances. Here's the brilliant thing about us, according to Romans 6, we have an outcome already given to us beyond our old man. When you know the outcome, you can enjoy the process. Yeah? Because then life is not about survival, it's about prospering. If you know the outcome, you can totally enjoy the process. It's like you're in the Super Bowl, or if you like the World Series, and you already know before the first ball is pitched, you already know that you're going to win the World Series. That's what it feels like. We already know we're going we're gonna to have to play the game still. We're going to have to go for it. We're going to have to pray as hard as we can, but we already know the outcome. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. So here we are. We are this fascinating people group in the earth who already know what's going to happen in our own lives. Why? Because Jesus gives us an outcome. Right? We're in Christ, learning to be Christ-like, which means our destiny on this earth is to be exactly like God in heaven. As much as is humanly possible, that's your outcome. Let's make man in our image. Yeah? So you already have an outcome beyond your old nature, beyond any struggle that you're going to have, you have an outcome. And the outcome is you are going to so become like Jesus in this world. Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Right? We have an outcome. When God gives you a prophetic word, what's he doing? He's giving you an outcome beyond your present. Right? Just say yes, Graham, and humor me. Because it looks like, from where I'm standing, it looks like you've all left a cardboard cutout in your place and gone to St. Arbuck's for a coffee. All righty. You have an outcome beyond your circumstances, beyond any struggle, beyond your old man, you have an outcome. So of all the people groups in the face of this earth, we have a happy life. I have an outcome. Which means, so I'm not trying to survive here. I'm learning how to prosper. I'm learning how to overcome. You know, we are condemned to victory. (laughs) Honestly, you have to be a complete pelican to lose this fight. (laughs) It's a good fight, right? And a good fight is one that you don't lose, because that would be a bad fight. A good fight is one that you win. So you are condemned to victory. You have to be a complete idiot to lose this fight. In the name of Jesus, I just bind all idiocy and lunacy. (laughs) Come on, this is fun, eh? He who has died is freed from sin. 
Why would God want to work on sin that he's already set you free from? Does that make sense? No, that is nonsense. Yeah? Then when God looks at you, he doesn't see anything wrong with you. Why? Because everything that was wrong about you, he put it all onto Jesus. Everything, even everything that was written against you, he nailed that to a tree as well. So everything that was wrong about you, he put it all onto Jesus and Jesus took it to the grave. And when you di- when he died, you died. When he was buried, you were buried. So rest in peace. Most of us in this room believe in the resurrection because we're grave robbing every day. We're digging up that old man and walking around with it. Y'all believe in resurrecting because you're resurrecting that old man every chance you get. Walking around as though those things were real when actually the real reality is you are so dead, it's frankly unbelievable. He that is dead is free. God is not into behavior modification. Listen, if God was into behavior modification, then Jesus didn't need to have died. Stick with it. Put your hand on your head. <laughs> I bind any headaches. And Lord, I just release the mind of Christ right now. That we start to think in line with your heartbeat for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen. Jesus is not modifying your behavior. He's giving you a completely different identity. He's giving you a new life. We are learning to walk in newness of life. We're not walking with the old one, you know, draped over us. We are so dead. He that is dead is absolutely free. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. That is the focal point of the gospel. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. The only thing God is doing in your life is he's dealing with your new man because he's already dealt with your old. So God is only speaking to your new man. I was talking to a guy um, a few years back in a church I was working with and we went for coffee and and he said, you know, Graham, uh, if we're going to be friends, you need to know a few things about me. It's like my alarm bell started ringing. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> and he just said, you know, I just, um, I don't like myself. Find it really hard to love myself. In fact, there, and, and there are just some days when I hate myself. So I said, okay, time out. I have a question. Which self is talking? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, which self is talking? Is this your new self, your true self, your real self in Jesus? 
Or is this your old self that actually God killed off? Which self is talking? Yeah, his eyes got really big. I said, because honestly, I have absolutely no interest in talking to you about your old self. You are dead. Stay dead. You're dead. I'm not going to have a conversation with a corpse because honestly, that's a little gruesome. I'm not in the habit of taking corpses for a coffee. And so I don't want to talk with a corpse right now. Dude, you're dead. All of that was finished in Christ. God has no, uh, he has no desire to improve your old nature. God's not trying to clean you up. He's not trying to reinvent your old nature. He's not trying to improve you. He's not trying to update you. He killed all that off because honestly, he couldn't be bothered with all the pastoral stuff. God is not pastoring your old man. He killed it off. He's only pastoring your new nature. So God isn't dealing with your sin because it's been dealt with. He's establishing your righteousness. Everything that he's doing is he's establishing your righteousness. So God, when he looks at you, he doesn't see anything wrong with you. He only sees what's missing from your current experience of him. And he's totally committed to giving you that encounter. Because everything that was against you, everything that he hated, everything that the world hates about you, has already been crucified. You are so flipping dead. Stay dead. Right? Another problem is in the church, we'd made pastoring the old man an industry. You know, it's a billion dollar at least. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Pastoring the old nature. When God has killed it. Because frankly, if he couldn't be bothered with it, why should we? We're learning to walk in what? Newness of life. Yeah? If... If you believe that you actually died with him, then you can also believe that you're actually alive with him. He that is dead is free. Let's look at this verse in Galatians. Galatians 2.20, you all know it, right? I have been crucified with Christ... And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's no longer you. There's a new you in your life and you're learning about who that person is. 
You're learning about how they should see, how they should think, how they should speak, how they should act, how they should behave. You're learning all, every single situation in your life is designed to establish the new you, the true you, the real you. So, which self is talking in your life right now? I used to struggle with this whole thing, I don't know, 100 years ago. <laughs> Feels like that. <laughs> I used to struggle with this whole thing of, you know, old man, new man, and, and so on. And um, I'm, I'm well used to being prophetic. I'm well used to having dreams. Uh, and dreams where I, you know, I'm in heaven interacting with whatever, whoever. And this particular dream, um, I'm on top of a hill. It's, it's, it's really sunny. There's a nice breeze blowing. And I'm sitting in this like pergola type building with just with like fabric all around. And it's beautiful. I'm sat on a cushion. And I'm waiting for Jesus to come. And normally when my dreams start that way, he comes up a hill and he's always surrounded by people because, you know, everyone's attracted to Jesus. So he's always surrounded with a group of people, and he always kind of like waves and smiles and all these people there in a minute. You know, it's that kind of thing. But this time I'm sat there, and I see him coming up the hill, and he's by himself. And I've seen, there's a look on his face I haven't seen before. And he's, got, he's marching up the hill, and he's looking at me, and he's like frowning. And as he's getting closer... I can feel this kind of like fear of the Lord coming on me. And I'm thinking, I'm mentally checking through everything. What have I done? You know? And he comes marching up to me. Graham, give me back my stuff. I'm like, excuse me? Give me back my stuff. I, I, I don't have any of your stuff. Give me back my stuff. But... Everything I've got, you gave me. No, I didn't give you this. You took something from me. Give me back my stuff. But I, 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 I don't know what you mean. What, 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 what stuff? That anxiety, that fear, that rejection, that betrayal, that worry. I died for it. I paid a price for it. It belongs to me. Give me back my stuff. I remember in the dream, I, 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 I just sank onto my knees and I'm crying because it's like suddenly, it's like I'm having an OMG moment. And it's not, oh my Graham. I'm having an OMG moment because suddenly I can see it. He died for all that stuff. But I'm still living with it. I'm still acting as though it's mine. And it belongs to me. And it doesn't. Someone has done a number on my brain. Someone has lied to me about all these things. Like they belong to me. And that I have to work through them. Somebody lied to me. Give me back my stuff. 
And I'm looking in and I'm crying and I'm saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then he smiled at me, which is a little like getting saved all over again. (laughs) And he smiles at me and he said, you need to understand something here. I was absolutely thrilled to die for you and to take all those things away from you so that you would never have to have them ever, ever again, forever. I was thrilled to die for you. I was thrilled knowing that I would rob you of anxiety. Knowing that I would take away your fear of man and fear of being wrong and fear of looking stupid. Knowing that I could take, rob, take all that sting of betrayal and rejection and take all those things away from you. So you would never have to be under that oppression ever again. And listen, Graham. If you don't give me my stuff back, I can't give you what I want to give you. Son, that's not yours. It's mine. This is yours. The whole gospel, Graham, is about exchange. I take all your rubbish and I give you all my glory. Give me back my stuff. Give me back my stuff. No, listen, I'm not counseling you over it. I'm not pastoring you in it. It's dead. It's over. Finito. I am counseling you on your new nature. I'm pastoring the newness of life in you. I'm teaching you how to become new, not how to avoid the old that you're already dead to. Graham, you need to give me back my stuff because it doesn't belong to you anymore. I paid for it. I bought it. I want it. Give me back my stuff. Give me back my stuff. It's mine. Talking to guys, it's another one of these weird conversations which I seem to get into a lot. Maybe I'm just wired for it, I don't know. I'm talking to a guy and he said, it's one of those let's get to know each other conversations, you know. And I said, so tell me what's going on in your life right now. And he said, well, um, you know, you really should know this if you're going to get to know me better. And I'm thinking, oh, great. <laughs> and he said, I, I'm, right now, I said, I'm, I'm really working through an ang- my anger problem. So I'm thinking, my anger problem. That's like ownership. Right? He's owning something that God has already taken away from him. I mean, okay. He said, I'm, 
I'm working through my anger problem. So I said, how long have you had it? He said, really all my life, even as a small child. I said, so how old are you now? I said, I'm 42. When did you get saved? Well, when I was about 21. So I said, okay, so what are you doing about this anger thing then? He said, well, I'm going to anger management classes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I couldn't help it. This is where I suddenly got all British on myself. And I start thinking, how would Monty Python think about this? <laughs> it's like, okay, so you got this anger thing, and you go into a class on anger management. So, I mean, what's the plan? Are you going to like... Is this some act you're going to take on the road? You're going to have a manager, an agent? <laughs> what? And I'm going off on one in my head. And I'm like, and I'm like I can feel myself, oh, come back to the good side, Graham. Come back to the good side. <laughs> and eventually I looked at him and I said, so, uh, <clears throat> hmm. So, you're 42. You had an anger problem all your life. You got saved at 21. Listen, man, you had an anger problem for 21 years. Then you got saved, and somebody should have told you at that point in time that about when Jesus died, you died. Somebody should have told you that when he was buried, you were buried. Someone should have told you that God has taken away all that kind of stuff and he's not telling you where he put it. <laughs> Somebody should have told you that you're dead to that and you're walking in newness of life. Somebody should have told you that you had permission from God to consider yourself dead to sin and to be alive to God. Here's the thing. For the last 21 years, God has not been trying to deal with your anger problem. He's been trying to teach you patience. Right? Because God doesn't deal with our sin. He's already dealt with it. So he's dealing with what should replace it. Very often, you know, I think psych psychologists say that I think it's 80% of all anger is a lack of patience. So we react to things. Yeah? So what if God has not been dealing with your anger? What if he's been trying to establish patience? So if somebody has fear, they're a believer and they've got fears, what's really going on? God is not dealing with their fear, so they don't need a program to teach them how to handle their fear because they're dead to fear. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So God is not dealing with our fear. He's trying to teach us perfect love. Right? Somebody who's always worried. God isn't dealing with our worry. He's actually teaching us trust. So why would he deal with the old man when he's already dealt with it and he's looking at establishing the new man so the new man needs to learn to trust so that you're not anxious or worried? Does that make sense? So what if someone who's a worrier 
What if they're learning peace? What if God isn't dealing with their worry? He's actually establishing peace. See, if God has killed off the old man, he is resolutely not going to work on it. You're going to make me read the Bible again, right? I'm telling you. All right, yeah, it's come to that. We have to read the Bible. So, what about Ephesians 4 then? Listen to this. Ephesians 4.20 But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Here's the thing. God isn't working on your old man and he doesn't want you working on it either. What he says is, you take that thing that belongs to the old man, you lay it aside and you put on the new man because that's what we're working on. That's what we're working on. We're working on the new nature. We're not working on the old nature. If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, in the same way, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You don't have a sin nature. You might have a sin habit. But you do not have a sin nature. It's dead. And he that is dead is free. What we're dealing with is our habits, our default positions. We're under pressure. We go back to something. When really in our new nature, when we're under pressure, we go forward to something. Philippians 3, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I reach out for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So what we're learning is we are no longer present past people, we're present future. Yeah? Yeah? Present past means you're living in the present and anything from your history can come through and affect you at any given moment and you have to try and deal with it in that moment. That is a lie straight from the pit. You are not present past because Jesus has dealt with your past. Your present future. He that is dead 
is free. You have a new life. You have a new identity. It's like being in the witness protection program with the Bible. You have a whole new identity, but you can never go back to that old thing. Right? Because you have a new life. Well, you have a new life right now, right where you're sitting. And the problems that you think you have, actually God has already dealt with. The real issue in your life is not problems and situations from your past. It is the fact that you've not yet really cottoned on to the whole idea that you have this new identity that's right here, right present, and God wants you to walk in newness of life. And so you default to the old thing. Bad Christian. Bad Christian, you're so dead. He that is dead is free. The life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God. You are a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Everything has become new. At some point, you're going to have to learn to be Bible-believing. That would be really helpful, eh? (laughs) You are a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Everything has become new. And all things are of God. You're a new creation. What we're learning is to... We're learning to act like it, think like it, see like it, speak into it. So you have a whole different vocabulary that you need to learn. There's a whole language that you have to learn. Which the Bible, the New Testament, that's what it's teaching us. It's teaching us a new language. I can do all things in Christ who will strengthen me. It's a new language. We we haven't got the language of failure anymore because we're not failures. We're in Christ and Christ is in us. That means you're double wrapped in something wonderful. It's time for us to stop being schizophrenic about the gospel. With apologies to all schizophrenics. Seriously. I love the fact that God doesn't see anything wrong with us. He only sees what's missing from our current relationship with him. And he's absolutely committed to giving us that encounter. You've never been more free than you are right now, this moment. Here's the thing. What we're learning is to stay free. And we don't stay free by keeping a watch on the old nature. We stay free by getting totally involved in the new nature. Like you put aside that old thing, you put on the new thing, and your whole preoccupation is with who you are becoming. Not who you've been, 
There's not behavior modification. You don't become a new person by changing your behavior. You acknowledge the person you already are in Christ and you behave accordingly. So you're a new person right now. What you're learning from this point on is how to stay new, how to think new, how to see new, how to speak new, how to walk new, how to walk in newness of life. Everything is new about you. And your relationship with the Holy Spirit is only about one thing. It's about exploring the new and discovering the new and becoming the new. So every, every situation in your life is about establishing the real you, the true you, the new you. Here's the thing. The new you is not stressed. Why? Because stress belongs to the old nature. The question you've got to ask yourself is, is Jesus depressed? (laughs) He's not a trick question. Is Jesus depressed? Is he under pressure? He's the one who says... Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. rest. Take my take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest to your soul. What rest means is a complete inability to worry. Rest. I think the last time I worried was around 18 and a half years ago. All I can tell you is the Prince of Peace walked into my life and never left. And I lost the ability to worry. I went looking for it because I'm that dumb. (laughs) But I couldn't find the sucker. So in the end, I've learned how to do without him. Rest is the complete inability to be anxious or worried. Peace that passes all understanding. You can't work out peace. It just is. It passes understanding. Don't try and figure it out. Just enjoy it. It's like the joy of the Lord. Don't analyze it. Just laugh. God has dealt with all your negatives. Not just the negative things that were against you, but he's actually dealt with all the characteristic of negativity that the world around you tries to put on you. Here's the amazing thing about us. Not only are we a new creation, all the old things have passed away. No, it's... All the old things have passed away. Now, before Christ, negativity was part of our life, and so was problems. Right? What if in Christ there are no problems? I'm just saying. (laughs) What if? Do you ever hear Jesus talk about a problem? 
What did he say? All things are possible. He came talking about possibilities. See, the understanding that we've got to change our thinking, change our perception, change our thinking, change our language. If it doesn't exist in heaven, it can't exist in you. What did Jesus pray? On earth as it is in heaven. So, you're a new creation. The new creation is not vulnerable nor subject to the world around us. Because it belongs to a different domain. The new creation is part of the kingdom of heaven. So we take all of our cues from heaven. We take none of our cues from the world around us. Here's the thing. The world deals with problems. Heaven doesn't. Heaven sent Jesus... To wrap up all that problem thing, all that sin thing, all that negativity thing, all that you know, dark-sided thing, to wrap all that up in himself and take it into the grave and leave it there. So now, if we're in Christ, those things don't exist for us. Our joy and our pleasure is learning to think new. Most of our problems, most of our issues in life are because we want new, but we think old. The Bible says that all the old things have passed away. Rest in peace. And everything, everything has become new. Everything about you is new. So you can't use any of the old stuff in your life. That's illegal behavior. Not only is it illegal behavior, but all that stuff doesn't belong to you. You don't want Jesus charging up to you saying, give me back my stuff. (laughs) This is the journey that we're on. We're learning to walk in the glory of the Father. Learning to walk in the goodness of God. Learning to think the way that God thinks. Learning to see things the way that God sees them. We are a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Everything has become new. This is what salvation means for us. People think that salvation is getting me out of earth and into heaven. Uh, that's, that's true. But it's not the truth. The truth is, salvation is not just about getting me out of earth into heaven. Salvation is God getting out of heaven into me. That's a whole different ballgame. Salvation is getting God out of heaven into me. He came to give us 
a fully realized presence that we could abide in forever. We're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're a habitation of God. We're in union with Christ. We are a child of God learning to become a son of God. That's the process that we're on. We're children learning to become fully mature sons by understanding this so great salvation, by understanding the magnitude of what God has committed to each one of us in Jesus. So we start with a clean piece of paper. That's what salvation is. It's a clean sheet. Fresh start. None of the old things belong to you now. And you're learning, I've got all this stuff that has to be rearranged in my life. It's like an extreme makeover. You've seen that program when people come in and they redesign your house while you're at Disney World? Brilliant. I keep ringing that helpline, but nobody ever answers it. It's like you come back and all your old stuff is gone. No wonder people are crying. They walk into the house. It's like when you left, you had a 12-inch black and white TV and now you've got a 56-inch flat screen, I'd be crying as well. Totally. The whole works. You're a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Everything has become new. Don't, aren't you interested in exploring what that looks like? Here's the brilliant thing. You get situations in your life to practice all that good stuff on. Because here's the thing right now is, you're such a new creation, you don't even have problems anymore. You just have possibilities. What's possible if you think from your new man? Your new man looks at this situation very differently. It thinks about it differently. It's like your new man doesn't see it as a problem. Your new man sees it as an upgrade. OMG. Because here's the thing. Your new man is learning how the kingdom thinks. How the kingdom works. So here's the thing. God will simply never allow a problem to come without a provision also being attached. Every problem comes with an upgrade. It comes with a provision. It comes with a promise. Why? Because God will never allow a negative to come from the world without a positive being there from heaven. Come on. This is good news. So we are a new creation of people that gets excited when difficult things happen. Because it's like, oh my gosh, there's a problem in my living room. Okay, where's that provision? I'm looking. There it is. All righty. Because that thing can't be here by itself. So it's here to tell me that a provision is present. 
A problem is designed now to speak to you and tell you that something else is present also, and it's bigger than that dude. Yeah? So no problem can come without a promise and a provision attached to it. Is there any frustration in heaven? Do you think anybody's standing around the throne right now going, so frustrated? I feel like John Cleese right now. So frustrated. It's like, what time is it? We've got another millennium of this. At, at least. <laughs> Why am I being ridiculous? Because I think the way that we think is ridiculous. If you're thinking outside of the mind of Christ, you are so going to be ridiculous in the way that you live. Uh, it is ridiculous for us to worry when the Prince of Peace is in our life. Right? It is ridiculous for us to be, feel weak and inadequate when the joy of the Lord is our strength. It is ridiculous for us to feel rejected when in fact we are the beloved of God. If we're thinking outside of the mind of Christ, we're probably, parts of our life are going to be two-thirds ridiculous. They're not going to make sense. We're going to be up and down. Jesus wants his stuff back. He wants his stuff back. There's a story. I did this talk a few months back, and a woman had come to the meeting with her two daughters, one eight, one six, and they went back home, and they're doing prayers for bed, and the older one says, Mommy, I have to give something back to Jesus this evening. And we said, So what is that? She said, Well, I'm afraid of the dark. That's why I always want you to have the light, put the light on. And I want to give, that, that doesn't belong to me anymore, it belongs to Jesus. So I, I want to give it back to him. It's not mine. So they prayed. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, so she turned the light out, closed the door. And about five minutes later, there's a scream and the shouting. So she goes back in, and the six-year-old is saying, Mommy, she took it right back from Jesus. <laughs> She's lying there in bed going, because of that fear. And her, and her sister's going, Mommy, she took it right back from Jesus. You didn't even close the door, and she took it back from Jesus. So my mom prayed and just took authority, and she hasn't had a problem since. She slept through the night. She's never slept. She's eight years old. Never slept through the night once. You know? Don't be taking his stuff back. (laughs) 
all around this community now, the little group's going to spring up. It's like, have you got Jesus' stuff? What stuff are you working on? That doesn't belong to you. Give it back. We're going to have the stuff police. What stuff have you got? What are you talking about? Hey, dude, that isn't your stuff. What are you doing with that? What are you talking about that for? That's not your stuff. You need to get a new language. Because you've got new stuff, you've got to talk about it differently. Yeah? Oh, this is a good scripture. Let me read this to you. This is what Paul thought about it. Galatians 3. You foolish... Galatians. There it is. You foolish Galatians, the spirit of stupid is all over you. This is the Message Bible. In English. Not American. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You you are so dead. It's like we're in this movie set and you're all zombies. This is the night of the living dead. You're so dead. You've got to stop walking around like a corpse. You've got to stop grave robbing. You've got to stop resurrecting that old man. Bringing him back to life every time you get a problem. You're walking in newness of life. That's your blessing. That's your laughter. That's your peace. That's your mindset. You're walking in newness of life. Of life, and you're learning how to put off the old and put on the new, and you're learning how to abide in Christ. Do you know that all of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you? I know that's a great thought, eh? All of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. Here's the thing, heaven is not attracted to your old nature because it doesn't see it. Heaven knows that your old nature is dead. Right? So God's not speaking to it. He's not dealing with it because he's dealt with it. He's only dealing with your new nature. All of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. What do we do? We default to our old nature. Well, it's okay for Brent Locker because Jesus loves him and when he prays, stuff happens, but that stuff never happens to me. Which self is talking? All of heaven is attracted to Jesus in you. Okay, that went down like a rat sandwich. (laughs) So... (laughs) Let's see if we can saute this rat. Let me put it a different way then. Um, If you're in Christ, so are all your circumstances. Oh yeah, that dog will hunt. If you're in Christ, so 
are all your circumstances. Whichever way you cut it, slice it and dice it, you are condemned to victory. The Holy Spirit always leads us in triumph. Why? Because the new nature is an overcomer. The new nature is more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror means it's the enemy that fails to show up for the fight. You get there, but he doesn't show. He's a no-show. We did this conference uh, a couple of years ago up in Vacaville. It was called The Art of Thinking Brilliantly. It was just, it was a gorgeous conference. Because the whole thing was, let's, let's just teach you how Jesus thinks about stuff. Yeah? So we did this whole conference, place was packed, worship was outrageous, presence of God was astonishing, and the whole thing went off really well, and uh, we took up a $50,000 offering for uh, Not For Sale, which is one of the best anti-human trafficking agencies on the face of this earth. It's run by believers. Um, Brilliant event. Two days later... I'm in the line at St. Arbuck's waiting to get, a co- to get a coffee. My favorite church, St. Arbuck's. For the price of a latte, you can have all this peace and everything else is brilliant. So I'm in the line and the two policemen in front of me. And this is Monday. The conference finished on Saturday and they're both complaining this was like the most boring weekend ever since I've been on the job because apparently not one crime was committed. So, I don't know if that's true. I'm just relaying what they said. So they had nothing to do all weekend. Boring, boring, boring. What happened? The enemy was a no-show. And when he's a no-show, you're more than a conqueror because you never had to fight. We're a new creation. All the old things. All y'all's passed away. Everything has become new. And that word, everything, in the Greek means... Everything. <laughs> means everything. And it should mean everything to us. Here's the thing about the good news. Now, in the world, when they hear something that sounds too good to be true, the world says someone's about to be conned. If it's too good to be true, someone's going to be taken for a ride. Here's the thing. In the kingdom, if it's not too good to be true, it's not God. In the kingdom, if it doesn't blow your mind, probably God never said it. In the kingdom, if it doesn't like open up all the space around you, and fill you with a sense of wonder, so that you're looking around thinking, I'm so amazed, I don't even know what to do first. (laughs) 
And it's probably not God. If you're not astonished, if you're not fully astonished, it's probably not God. If you're just thinking, well, that's okay. Then you need to take me outside and shoot me in the head. Because I haven't done my job properly. The Spirit of God and of glory is in your life because Jesus is present. Here's the brilliant thing about us. We, we have no need to pursue the presence of God because we have it. What we're learning to do is host the presence of God. Yeah? I'm not pursuing God's presence. I'm enjoying it. What I'm doing is I'm abiding in it. I'm hosting the presence of God in myself. Yeah? So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's he doing? He's hosting the presence of God. Yeah, me and God, we look alike. What's God like? Well, you know, he's, he's a little bit like me, but to the power of a billion. If one of his names is wonderful, what does that make you? At some point, our language has to change. Is this too good to be true? I hope so. Do you feel overwhelmed with the love of God? I hope so. Do you feel overwhelmed, overcome by all the possibilities? I hope so. Are you glad that you never have to deal with your stuff because Jesus has taken it away from you? I hope so. Because my intention this weekend is to send you away walking in newness of life, absolutely determined to love everything that goes on because God is with you. You're a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Everything's become new. All things are of God. So every single situation in your life... From here onwards, every one of them is in Christ just as much as you are. Wouldn't it be great to walk up to a difficulty and say, Listen, dude, I'm in Christ. You're here. You're in Christ too. Shut up. (laughs) So I am going to turn you into a possibility. All the girls are thinking, Tiara, little wand, turn that frog into a prince. Ah, yeah. We get to turn things into something else so that we can deal with it from that point of view. Here's the thing for us. We never have to deal with anything on the level that it comes at. We can take it up to a higher level and deal with it there. A friend of mine was a uh, test pilot for the Royal Air Force, the RAF. And his job was to test all the new uh, warplanes. And um, so he'd been around, you know, since Noah was in short trousers. <laughs> a long time. And so he test flew all the fighters, all the jets and everything. And, you know, and when you get um, a prototype plane, it's not the fully finished deal. It's basically you get the skin of the aircraft, 
you get a seat bolted to the fuselage, you get all these instruments, and there's nothing, everything's, nothing's covered up, so all the wires are out there, it, there's no padding in the thing, it's just totally an experimental plane. So, <clears throat> he takes up this new jet, and he, his, his job is to take it up above 45,000 feet. So he has his oxygen mask and everything else, and this is a long time ago when they were still perfecting all this stuff. And he's, about, he's up around about 10,000 feet, and he looks down, and there is a rat the size of a big cat, and it's chewing on some of the wires <laughs> in the cockpit. And so it's like, you know, <laughs> heaven to earth. He's <laughs> like, he gets on and he says, guys, I have a huge problem. Uh, there's, a hu- there's a big rat in the plane and it's chewing on some of the cables. What do I do? And, and the thing is, there's no, um, there's no place to land this in the next few minutes. He's like about five or ten minutes away from landing it. This thing could chew through something. And that's it, game over. So they're saying, they're debating, what should we do, what should we do? And a guy who's been around as long as him uh, gets on the radio and says, take that plane up as high as you can until the altitude becomes so thin the rat passes out. So put your mask on. He takes that thing up beyond 45,000 feet and the rat dies. The rat becomes unconscious and now he has to get down as fast as he can before that little beggar wakes up. <laughs> but actually, he'd taken it up to such a high place, it died. I know. I know. What we're doing then, what are we doing? You never meet a problem on the same level that it comes to you. You take it up to a higher place and you deal with it from there. And what you, when you take it to a higher place, you're taking it into the realm of the kingdom to say to Jesus, how do you see this thing? Because if you're in Christ, so is this issue, right? You want to see it in a particular way. That means God has given you, has given you, the anointing to turn a problem into a possibility. Because Jesus said, all things are possible. So in Christ, you get to think about it differently. You get to see it differently. You get to talk about it differently. You get to be with this thing differently. And you're realizing, this thing is here to serve me. This problem is here to show me that there is a big provision also present and I'm missing it. Do you want me to say that in English? Now, I have this real disconcerting habit of occasionally lapsing into Hungarian or something. I think I just did it at that point in time. So God gives us the ability to see things the way that he sees it. He calls things differently than we do. Don't you want to know what he's called? He doesn't call that a problem. He calls it a possibility. He doesn't call that thing an obstacle. He calls it an upgrade. 
He has a different language. Why? Because he has never had a problem in his life. Everything with God is a possibility. We're walking in newness of life. Why? We're a new creation. It's what we do. People say to you, so how do you think of all this stuff? I'm a new creation. <laughs> it's what we do. How do you see all that stuff? Dude, new creation. New eyes. It's what we do. All the old things have passed away. I'm not subject to that way of thinking anymore. I'm a new creation. Everything's become new. All things are of God. Really enjoying my life. Really enjoying everything that's going on. I like the warfare. It's not like we're going to lose or anything. Right? I like the warfare. I like the difficulties. I get all these difficult people to love. Like Brent. I get all these difficult people to practice being Christ-like on. Are you kidding me? This is great. I'm in Kansas City. A guy comes up to me. He said, I want you to know I hate your ministry. I'm against what you stand for. I consider myself your enemy. God has given me an anointing to bring you down. I said, dude, how's it working out for you? Because you know what? I'm still happy. He said, I'm your enemy. I said, no, you're not. No, I am. I said, dude, trust me, you're not. And he's getting really red in the face. Stamps his foot. I'm your enemy. Like shouting is going to make it any better. I'm your enemy. I hate what you stand for. I am your enemy. I said, no, you're not. I am. Not, dude, you can't be. Why? It's Tuesday. I don't take enemies on Tuesday. It's like, what planet are you living on? He says to me, I'll come back tomorrow. I said, brilliant. Because I have a special on Wednesdays for people who think they want to be my enemy. Here's the thing. I said to him, look, man, you know, do your worst. It's not going to make a scrap of difference. You're not my enemy because I'm not in the market. There's only one person I hate, and he's not human. And I'm not fighting flesh and blood. So I'm not against you. But I am going to pray for you. Don't you be praying for me like you could stop me. Because it doesn't matter whether I pray for you now or back in California. I don't think you've got any power over the airwaves or the prayer waves. So, dude, face it, you're screwed. I'm going to pray for you and you're going to get blessed. That's the way it works because I'm not in the market for enemies. Yeah? I've got better things to do than have enemies. I only have one enemy and I really like fighting him. What are we doing? 
we're sorting ourselves out and we're getting really decent theological mindsets and lifestyles that are based on Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. You're a new creation. All the old stuff has passed away. Everything has become new. And all those things are from God. Trying to figure out how to land this plane. There's no rat in the cockpit, by the way. Isn't this great? Isn't this so like Jesus? Thinks of everything. Yeah? Isn't this so like Jesus? It's like the world is so set on handling problems, solving problems, dealing with problems, and God just takes them away. And he gives you a whole new mindset. He gives you a whole new way of seeing, a whole different language, completely different life that doesn't take its cues from the earth but actually is derived from the kingdom of heaven you're a citizen of heaven here on earth you're a whole new creation everything's new you're learning how you're a child of God learning to be a son of God you're walking in newness of life consider yourself dead to that stuff you're alive to God Yahoo which is Texan for hallelujah That's who you really are. So, you walked in maybe with a false identity. I'm going to be checking all your driving licenses on the way out. (laughs) You walked in with a false identity. You need to be walking out with your new identity. Your new self, your true self, your real self. Yeah, you've got some habits right now that you need to work on. But you can work on them really joyfully because they're already dead. All you're doing is letting them stay dead. And you're attracting the new you to yourself. You're in Christ learning to be Christ-like. And Christ is in you empowering you to become brilliant. Just as brilliant as he is because as he is, so are we in this world. Yeah? So, we're walking out of here, new people. Oh, and by the way, if you came in with stuff that belongs to Jesus, I'm just saying, you don't want that dream where he comes charging up to you. So, let's stand. Let's, um, let's assume the position. All righty. Let's assume the position. So here's the thing right now. I don't want you to go into detail, but I want you just to headline. What stuff in your life belongs to Jesus 
Just one word, Lord, this belongs my anxiety, that fear I've got. I want you just to talk to him for the next 60 seconds and just say, Lord, all these things are on my list and I want to give this to you. This is all your stuff. Just give it back. Some of those things are habits. They are your default positions. When you're under pressure through life and circumstances, those that you default to fear and panic. Some of you, when you look back over relationships in your past, you still feel the sting of betrayal. But you're dead to it. That's the truth. This is my two-word counseling ministry. Stop it. Stop it. What you're going to do in the next day or so is you're going to make a list of those habits. Write them down. If you're writing down fear, right next to the word fear, you put the opposite of it, which is perfect love. And you understand this. God is not dealing with your fear. He's establishing perfect love. If you've got an anger problem, really, maybe God is teaching you patience. So write down patience because that's what you're learning. So find the opposite. And if you want a reference for this that's in the Bible, it will be Isaiah 61. In the first seven verses, there's one word that's mentioned five times. And it's the word instead. Yeah? So... Verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, give them a garland instead of ashes. So when your life tastes bitter in your own mouth, God wants you to pretend you're on Hawaii and he's going to wrap one of those things around your neck and say, there you go. (laughs) The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Verse 7, instead of your shame, you'll have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. God always puts a brilliant positive next to a negative. So here's the thing. Instead of dealing with those negatives which are already dead to, I'm going to pray for you and you're going to have the mind of the Lord and you're going to ask the Lord this question. What is the opposite of that? Because that's what he's establishing. And when you work with God on the establishing of the new, the old thing disappears. God is not asking you to work on it. He's saying, once you've got that list done, then what you do is you take fear, you lay it aside, and you attract perfect love to yourself. You receive the perfect love of God. 
You start to think as one who is beloved. You start to see as one who is beloved. And what you're doing is you're practicing your new, true, real self. Yeah? You ready for this? Okay, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray. You don't have to pray it. But thanks for the effort. I appreciate it. I take authority over all negativity. I take authority over the old nature, over the old habits. And I bind them and I break the power of them in your thinking, in your perception, in your language, and in your emotions in Jesus' name. And I declare that you are free. You are free from the emotional connection to those things. You're free to be dead in Jesus' name. These things are not alive, they're dead. And in the name of Jesus, I declare you are no longer to be bothered with the dead. You're no longer to be bothered by that which God has declared you are already dead to in Jesus' name. I proclaim life over you. Life over you, life over you, life over you, life over you. I proclaim life into you, into you, life into you, life into you, life into you, life into you you in the name of Jesus. And I declare from this moment on, from this day forward, that you will think differently. That you will see differently, that you will speak differently, that you will connect differently with God in all of your life circumstances. And I declare that this day marks the end of the problem regime and that you are now released into the kingdom of heaven, which is a possibility dimension. That you are released into all the possibilities of God. You are set free to see your life differently. And you, I declare that you will be an overcomer, that you will be a warrior, that you will win, that you will have victory after victory after victory until you grow to the place where you are more than a conqueror. I declare a victorious mindset, a victorious way of seeing, a victorious way of speaking and standing, that you would learn the overcoming nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I declare to you that you have no sin nature. It is dead. It is buried. It is forgiven. It is forgotten. It is passed away. You have a new nature. And his name is Jesus. And he's going to deal with every habit you've got that is not working for you. He's going to teach you how to move in the opposite spirit. He's going to teach you the new life that is attached to each of those things. And as you practice this new life, so you'll walk in freedom. So you'll walk in newness of life. And you'll become a child of God, learning how to be a mature son. Because this is your right, since you are in Jesus and you are bought with a price. So in the name of Jesus, I release you from every connection to your old man in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, I push you. 
I push you. I push you. I push you into a whole new place in the spirit, into your new nature, into your newness of life. I push you into the very domain and realm of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, an expectation of something glorious happening. And I declare to you in Jesus' name that there is a quickening spirit abroad in your life right now. And he is going to teach you quickly, 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 quickly how to overcome. He's going to teach you how to see this thing. He's going to teach you how to think about this thing. You're going to have a new partnership with the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of disclosure is going to take all the things that belong to Jesus and make them real to you so that you walk in fullness, you walk in abundance, and you learn to abide in the nature of God that's already in you because Christ is in you and he's your expectation of something glorious occurring. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Yeah? I'm not pursuing God's presence. I'm enjoying it. What I'm doing is I'm abiding in it. I'm hosting the presence of God in myself. Yeah? So Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's he doing? He's hosting the presence of God. Yet me and God, we look alike. What's God like? Well, you know, he's, he's a little bit like me, but to the power of a billion. If one of his names is wonderful, what does that make you? At some point, our language has to change. Is this too good to be true? I hope so. Do you feel overwhelmed with the love of God? I hope so. Do you feel overwhelmed, overcome by all the possibilities? I hope so. Are you glad that you never have to deal with your stuff because Jesus has taken it away from you? I hope so. Because my intention this weekend is to send you away walking in newness of life, absolutely determined to love everything that goes on because God is with you. You're a new creation. All the old things have passed away. Everything's become new. All things are of God. So every single situation in your life from here onwards, every one of them is in Christ just as much as you are. Wouldn't it be great to walk up to a difficulty and say, listen, dude, I'm in Christ, you're here, you're in Christ too. Shut up. (laughs) So I am going to turn you into a possibility. All the girls are thinking, Tiara, little wand, turn that frog into a prince. Ah, yeah. We get to turn things into something else so that we can deal with it from that point of view. Here's the thing for us. We never have to deal with anything on the level that it comes at. We can take it up to a higher level and deal with it there. 
friend of mine was a uh, test pilot for the Royal Air Force, the RAF. And his job was to test all the new uh, warplanes. And um, so he'd been around, you know, since Noah was in short trousers. And <laughs> a long time. And so he test flew all the fighters, all the jets and everything. And, you know, and when you get um, a prototype plane, it's not the fully finished deal. It's basically you get the skin of the aircraft, you get a seat bolted to the fuselage, you get all these instruments, and there's nothing, everything's, nothing's covered up, so all the wires are out there. It, there's no padding in the thing. It's just totally an experimental plane. So <clears throat> he takes up this new jet, and he, his, his job is to take it up above 45,000 feet. So he has his oxygen mask and everything else. And this is a long time ago when they were still perfecting all this stuff. And he's, about, he's up around about 10,000 feet. And he looks down and there is a rat the size of a big cat. And it's chewing on some of the wires <laughs> in the cockpit. And so it's like, you know, <laughs> heaven to earth. <laughs> it's like he gets on and he says guys I have a huge problem uh, there's, a hu there's a big rat in the plane and it's chewing on some of the cables what do I do and, and the thing is there's no um, there's no place to land this in the next few minutes he's like about 5 to 10 minutes away from landing it this thing could chew through something and that's it, game over. So they're saying, they're debating, what should we do, what should we do? And a guy who's been around as long as him uh, gets on the radio and says, take that plane up as high as you can until the altitude becomes so thin the rat passes out. So put your mask on. He takes that thing up beyond 45,000 feet and the rat dies. Or the rat becomes unconscious and now he has to get down as fast as he can before that little beggar wakes up. <laughs> but actually, he'd taken it up to such a high place, it died. I know. I know. What we're doing then, what are we doing? You never meet a problem on the same level that it comes to you. You take it up to a higher place and you deal with it from there. And what you, when you take it to a higher place, you're taking it into the realm of the kingdom to say to Jesus, how do you see this thing? Because if you're in Christ, so is this issue, right? You want to see it in a particular way. That means God has given you, has given you, the anointing to turn a problem into a possibility. Because Jesus said, all things are possible. So in Christ, you get to think about it differently. You get to see it differently. You get to talk about it differently. You get to be with this thing differently. And you're realizing this thing is here to serve me. This problem is here to show me that there is a big provision also present and I'm missing it. Do you want me to say that in English? 
Now, I have this real disconcerting habit of occasionally lapsing into Hungarian or something. So I think I just did it at that point in time. So God gives us the ability to see things the way that he sees it. He calls things differently than we do. Don't you want to know what he's called? He doesn't call that a problem. He calls it a possibility. He doesn't call that thing an obstacle. He calls it an upgrade. He has a different language. Why? Because he has never had a problem in his life. Everything with God is a possibility. We're walking in newness of life. Why? We're a new creation. It's what we do. People say to you, so how do you think of all this stuff? I'm a new creation. (laughs) It's what we do. How do you see all that stuff? Dude, new creation. You eyes. It's what we do. All the old things have passed away. Not subject to that way of thinking anymore. I'm a new creation. Everything's become new. All things are of God. Really enjoying my life. Really enjoying everything that's going on. I like the warfare. It's not like we're going to lose or anything. Right? I like the warfare. I like the difficulties. I get all these difficult people to love. Like Brent. I get all these difficult people to practice being Christ-like on. Are you kidding me? This is great. I'm in Kansas City. A guy comes up to me. He said, I want you to know I hate your ministry. I'm against what you stand for. I consider myself your enemy. God has given me an anointing to bring you down. I said, dude, how's it working out for you? Because you know what? I'm still happy. He said, I'm your enemy. I said, no, you're not. No, I am. I said, dude, trust me, you're not. And he's getting really red in the face. Stamps his foot. I'm your enemy. Like shouting is going to make it any better. I'm your enemy. I hate what you stand for. I am your enemy. He said, no, you're not. I am. Not, dude, you can't be. Why? It's Tuesday. Take enemies on Tuesday. It's like, what planet are you living on? He says to me, I'll come back tomorrow. I said, Brilliant, because I have a special on Wednesdays for people who think they want to be my enemy. Here's the thing I said to him, Look, man, you know, do your worst, it's not going to make a scrap of difference. You're not my enemy because I'm not in the market. There's only one person I hate and he's not human. And I'm not fighting flesh and blood. So I'm not against you. But I am going to pray for you. Don't you be praying for me like you could stop me. Because it doesn't matter whether I pray for you now or back in California. 
I don't think you've got any power over the airwaves or the prayer waves. So, dude, face it, you're screwed. I'm going to pray for you and you're going to get blessed. That's the way it works. Because I'm not in the market for enemies. Yeah? I've got better things to do than have enemies. I only have one enemy. And I really like fighting him. What are we doing? We're sorting ourselves out. And we're getting really decent theological mindsets and lifestyles that are based on Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. You're a new creation. All the old stuff has passed away. Everything has become new. And all those things are from God. Trying to figure out how to land this plane. There's no rat in the cockpit, by the way. Isn't this great? Isn't this so like Jesus? Thinks of everything. Yeah? Isn't this so like Jesus? It's like the world is so set on handling problems, solving problems, dealing with problems, and God just takes them away. And he gives you a whole new mindset. He gives you a whole new way of seeing, a whole different language, completely different life that doesn't take its cues from the earth but actually is derived from the kingdom of heaven you're a citizen of heaven here on earth you're a whole new creation everything's new you're learning how you're a child of God learning to be a son of God you're walking in newness of life consider yourself dead to that stuff you're alive to God Yahoo which is Texan for hallelujah That's who you really are. So, you walked in maybe with a false identity. I'm going to be checking all your driving licenses on the way out. (laughs) You walked in with a false identity. You need to be walking out with your new identity. Your new self, your true self, your real self. Yeah, you've got some habits right now that you need to work on. But you can work on them really joyfully because they're already dead. All you're doing is letting them stay dead. And you're attracting the new you to yourself. You're in Christ learning to be Christ-like. And Christ is in you empowering you to become brilliant. Just as brilliant as he is because as he is, so are we in this world. Yeah? So, we're walking out of here, new people. Oh, and by the way, if you came in with stuff that belongs to Jesus, I'm just saying, 
You don't want that dream where he comes charging up to you. So let's stand. Let's, um, let's assume the position. Alrighty. Let's assume the position. So here's the thing right now. I don't want you to go into detail, but I want you just to headline. What stuff in your life belongs to Jesus? Just one word, Lord, this belongs, my anxiety, that fear I've got. I want you just to talk to him for the next 60 seconds and just say, Lord, all these things are on my list and I want to give this to you. This is all your stuff. Just give it back. Some of those things are habits. They are your default positions. When you're under pressure through life and circumstances, those that you default to fear and panic. Some of you, when you look back over relationships in your past, you still feel the sting of betrayal. But you're dead to it. That's the truth. This is my two-word counseling ministry. Stop it. Stop it. What you're going to do in the next day or so is you're going to make a list of those habits. Write them down. If you're writing down fear, right next to the word fear, you put the opposite of it, which is perfect love. And you understand this. God is not dealing with your fear. He's establishing perfect love. If you've got an anger problem, really, maybe God is teaching you patience. So write down patience because that's what you're learning. So find the opposite. And if you want a reference for this that's in the Bible, it will be Isaiah 61. In the first seven verses, there's one word that's mentioned five times. And it's the word instead. Yeah, so... Verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, give them a garland instead of ashes. So when your life tastes bitter in your own mouth, God wants you to pretend you're on Hawaii and he's going to wrap one of those things around your neck and say, there you go. (laughs) The oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Verse 7, instead of your shame, you'll have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. God always puts a brilliant positive next to a negative. So here's the thing. Instead of dealing with those negatives which are already dead to, 
I'm going to pray for you and you're going to have the mind of the Lord and you're going to ask the Lord this question. What is the opposite of that? Because that's what he's establishing. And when you work with God on the establishing of the new, the old thing disappears. God is not asking you to work on it. He's saying, once you've got that list done, then what you do is you take fear, you lay it aside, and you attract perfect love to yourself. You receive the perfect love of God. You start to think as one who is beloved. You start to see as one who is beloved. And what you're doing is you're practicing your new, true, real self. Yeah? You ready for this? Okay, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray. You don't have to pray it. Thanks for the effort. I appreciate it. (laughs) I take authority over all negativity. I take authority over the old nature, over the old habits. And I bind them and I break the power of them in your thinking, in your perception, in your language, and in your emotions in Jesus' name. And I declare that you are free. You are free from the emotional connection to those things. You're free to be dead in Jesus' name. These things are not alive. They're dead. And in the name of Jesus, I declare you are no longer to be bothered with the dead. You're no longer to be bothered by that which God has declared you are already dead to in Jesus' name. I proclaim life over you, life over you, life over you, life over you, life over you. I proclaim life into you, into you, life into you, life into you, life into you, life into you you in the name of Jesus. And I declare from this moment on, from this day forward, that you will think differently that you will see differently, that you will speak differently, that you will connect differently with God in all of your life circumstances. And I declare that this day marks the end of the problem regime and that you are now released into the kingdom of heaven, which is a possibility dimension. That you are released into all the possibilities of God. You are set free to see your life differently. And you, I declare that you will be an overcomer, that you will be a warrior, that you will win, that you will have victory after victory after victory until you grow to the place where you are more than a conqueror. I declare a victorious mindset, a victorious way of seeing, a victorious way of speaking and standing, that you would learn the overcoming nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I declare to you that you have no sin nature. It is dead. It is buried. It is forgiven. It is forgotten. It is passed away. You have a new nature. And his name is Jesus. And he's going to deal with every habit you've got that is not working for you. He's going to teach you how to move in the opposite spirit. He's going to teach you the new life that is attached to each of those things. 
And as you practice this new life, so you'll walk in freedom. So you'll walk in newness of life. And you'll become a child of God, learning how to be a mature son. Because this is your right, since you are in Jesus, and you are bought with a price. So in the name of Jesus, I release you from every connection to your old man in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name, I push you. I push you. I push you. I push you into a whole new place in the Spirit, into your new nature, into your newness of life. I push you into the very domain and realm of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, an expectation of something glorious happening. And I declare to you in Jesus' name that there is a quickening spirit abroad in your life right now. And he is going to teach you quickly, 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 quickly how to overcome. He's going to teach you how to see this thing. He's going to teach you how to think about this thing. You're going to have a new partnership with the Holy Spirit. And the spirit of disclosure is going to take all the things that belong to Jesus and make them real to you so that you walk in fullness, you walk in abundance, and you learn to abide in the nature of God that's already in you because Christ is in you and he's your expectation of something glorious occurring. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening.